are listening to episode six of Partnerships and Possibilities, a podcast on leadership. In this episode, the truth about power. Hi, I'm Sharon. And I'm Diana. And we're going to be talking about leadership in organizations. Leadership in organization happens at all levels and takes many forms. So today we were going to talk a little bit about power and influence in organizations mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and what that looks like and how people can use it for good or for evil. Right. Well, and, how, and, and the link to leadership, how it links right. with leadership and, and the role that it plays in leadership, which is big. Just right. really big. Absolutely. Uh, and I thought, that, I thought it was interesting that uh, we had sort of queued this up that this is what we wanted to talk about next because I noticed that um, our friend and colleague, Linda Rising, um, just this weekend, this last past weekend, um, which was the end of September, um, was talking about, had a half-day workshop on the uses of influence and influence at the GoTo conference in Aarhus, and a couple of folks who were in that session blogged about it and about, you know, its relevance to them in their lives and, and why this is important to them. Mm -hmm. and, and I think it is true, you know, the point that, um, secondhand, I, I understand that Linda was making, is that we all are using, are influencing each other in all kinds of ways all the time. And of so, course. and that um, sometimes people think about influence only in terms of manipulation. Right. As, as if it was a bad thing. And the thing is, it's just a natural and normal thing. It's going on all the time. I think part of the link to leadership is the the awareness of the self-awareness about where are your sources of influence how are you using those those sources as a leader to what end you know what are you trying to accomplish with it and how do you keep it a positive force like right. you were saying and because it is a, it is one of the sources of power how much influence you have over other folks so from, with other right, things. right, yeah. right. So from your point of view, how do you think, well, maybe we should back up. Yeah. Maybe we should first define power a little bit more clearly. Yeah. Um, how do you think about power uh, in that organizational context? Well, last week when we were talking about uh, politics, right. uh, we, we were saying that power is kind of the the motive power you know how the way the the role we have in getting things accomplished um in creating results that that power really has to do with <clears throat> can we ourselves or working with and through other folks get the things done that we perceive need to be done collectively or individually perceive mm -hmm. and and if we think about that um, you know all the different kind of analogies around power I mean I think about even you know weightlifters and power lifting you know uh -huh. it's like can I get this weight from here to to up in the air over my head you know is the amount of power I have can I make that that movement happen right and um, and so I think at the simplest level, that really is what power is, and then it 
it plays out in all kinds of ways. Um, yeah, and, was, and can we can I keep things aligned in the so at the organizational level, as a leader, my power has to do with can I keep the whole uh, organization. What is it that I can bring to bear in the whole organization to keep uh, everyone aligned and moving in the direction of the movement we want to we want to have? Yeah, you know, the whatever the strategic. Right, legitimate yeah. goals. Large legitimate goals, yes, exactly. You know, I was reading something about um, this topic over the weekend, and I, I, I can't remember where the quote came from, but it said something about, uh, like electricity, yeah. power is invisible, but you can feel and observe its effects. Yeah, right. So, yeah, electrical power. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. I think there are a lot of kind of cool analogies around, because power is in our world, you know, we talk about it in a lot of different settings, wind power, electrical power. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a nat, it really is a natural phenomenon. Right. Yeah. And, and it gets kind of twisted up. So you get power from, you can get power from position, right. from relationships, uh, and from personal factors, who right. you are and what you know. Right. Right. Those are right. Kind of how we think about the sources of power uh, traditionally, but um, there is a new phenomena occurring now where people talk about power derived from networks. Yes. Right. Yes. You want to talk the, about that the for power, a minute? The power. The That power isn't. Well, it's. I think it's aligned with uh, what we've talked about earlier in that um, leadership isn't always... The, the way leadership is most effective in organization isn't always having it assigned to or, or residing in one person, right? The leader, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So the whole idea of uh, networks, when we're talking about human systems, has to do, I think, with how does how do we create leaderful organizations? How does that um, the leadership power, if you will, I'm, I'm not sure that's the right word, but how does that get um, used? How does that get spread around? How you know? How do we create more leaders in our organizations? Um, and so the idea of networks comes from, I think, a lot of. Uh, understanding, a clearer understanding that it's not just one person who gets something done. It is the interrelation. It's not even just the relationships. It's the interrelationships between and among that make things possible. And I think the rise of the internet, which, you know, it's been, I feel really fortunate to be of the age to have really seen you know, and, and have been an adult and been able to view from adult with adult perception from the time when people really started, it wasn't, it was no longer just the DARPA folks who had the internet, but it began to spread out into the rest of the, the to the rest of us mm -hmm. and to the rest of the population and how that has grown mm -hmm. since the mid eighties, um, is, is really quite amazing. And it is, and it is the power of networks. 
um, you know, not only the the interwebs, as as some folks say, but mm-hmm. but the but the way in which people are able to connect with each other and to facilitate connections with other people. You and I both went through the Dave Logan's workshop on tribal leadership. Yeah, and when he was talking about the level four and level five leaders, yeah. He was talking about people who are able to begin to create those networks by moving from the one-to-one kind of hub-and-spoke kind of relationship to creating triads, to saying, you know, I know you, and I know you have an interest, but I also know this other person who has an interest, in, and, and my influence and my power is that I know how to connect the two of you together. So that you can get stuff done that I would never be able to get done on my own, right? And and that's that that kind of and then those networks create new networks and those triads keep building out until pretty soon, you have what you know a lot of a lot of nodes, which are kind of concentrations of of those relationships, but then also the connectors that go out in many different in many different directions. So I wonder if this relates actually to to an idea that was um, that people started talking about years ago um, in the context of Peter Block's work around building coalitions. Absolutely, because for a long time I think that was the um, for me uh, that was kind of the go-to material um, to to help people think about a way to build their influence in an organization was to talk about building coalitions. But I, I think that that word almost has a political charge that's, that could be taken negatively as, right. if a, as if a coalition is a block of folks right. that are going to take a position and be immovable. Um, and I don't believe that was how he was using that term at all. But um, I think the ideas about that are still viable, don't mm-hmm. you? I do too, yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think what happens, what seems to happen with, all, with many of these ideas, of the new ideas, mm. are they keep, we keep returning to them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a... It's a Spiral dynamic, if you will. <laughs> you mean there's nothing new under the sun? <laughs> well, in some ways, you know, I, I remember attending a, a big conference. Uh, it was in the early 90s, and somebody was already talking about the idea of empowerment coming around, that it was already old wine in new bottles, mm. right? Mm. That, that people, that there had been for quite a while um, conversations about how do we... Uh, enable people to to use their own brains and their own uh, abilities to get things done in organizations. You know, that's these ideas are. I I don't know if how many of our listeners might have read uh, Mary Parker Follett, who's a woman who was writing in the well, 1920s. Right, really, who, come who on, was amazing. You know, when you go back and read right. her material, right. the the amazing richness of mm-hmm. insight mm-hmm. that she was having in 1917, 1923, 1930. And she was so dissed by people. Uh, yeah, right. Well, you know, that 
there's the whole woman thing. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say she was a like, she, but okay. Let's not go down that path today. But, but, um, but those ideas, so those ideas were out there um, early on. And, and even the Hawthorne effect studies about, you know, people just want someone to think they matter. Yeah. You know, to pay attention to what's going on with them and think right. they matter right. in the world. And that that... That does have an impact on productivity, on performance, right. on on all of those things. Uh, you know, I think this whole coming back to this whole idea of power and influence and leadership, there really is a lot to do with how how are we tapping into the potential of the people in our organizations. And it's not just the touchy-feely part about, oh, well, we should, you know, we should all have good relationships and we should all be nice to each other and all that. Because that's not so, mm -hmm. really, necessarily. Mm -hmm. But really pragmatically understanding what is the power of these connections is, com is comes back to the root of, of influence. You know, for years and years, we hear people, salespeople and marketing people saying, you know, business is all about relationships or it's mm -hmm. business is people doing business with people kind right. of stuff. But then that somehow gets ignored and swept aside in in the pursuit of something else. I'm not sure what. But but I do think that that, that is key that we understand what for each of us in in leadership roles what what is our influence because our influence is a source of power the way we influence the the, the that it's it's unique to each of us and earlier you and I were talking about i think i think one of the reasons that i've been successful in the agile alliance is partly what I know, and that I've written books, mm -hmm. you know, and, and those kinds of things. But even more, I think it is that people, because I get a lot of emails or I get a lot of contacts at conferences of people coming up to me to say, you know, I'm dealing with this. Do you know anyone else that I could talk to? And people know they can come to me for that mm -hmm. because I am, in Gladwell's terms, I am a connector. Mm -hmm. I, I do know how to put people together for ultimate good, you know, mm -hmm. for, some, for some good result. Mm -hmm. and, um, and that's, I didn't necessarily earn that. I guess I've spent some time fostering it a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's just a part of who I am. Mm -hmm. So it's one of my sources of influence. Mm -hmm. And it's helped me to be aware of that and to be able to build on that. Other people, their source of influence is their mastery or their expertise in a certain area. I have a little bit of that in a couple of areas. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I know when and when I, where I can draw on those things. Uh, other people, their source of influence may be their credentialing. Uh, people respect certain kinds of credentials um, and titles. And, um, you know, there's a whole, the, the research on influence gives a whole list of what the sources are. Um, but it's, I think it's helpful as a leader to know which of those do I tap into which of those could I tap into that I'm not 
using very effectively now and which really aren't my style you know yeah. which which other people may use and I may want to recognize when other people are using them but it's probably not going to be my source of influence right so yeah. so I know that for instance if I was trying to influence or persuade someone I would never rely solely on data I'm not a data person. Right. I mean, data is useful, but I, uh, to me, that's background. It's not foreground. Right. I'd want to connect somehow to people at more of a heart level. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is one of the ways that I'm good at influencing people. Um, is they know you that care. I know, they know that I care, and right. they, they know that I will be very direct. Um, but come from a caring heart place. Right. And so that's clearly one of my sources of influence. Right. Um, so when we, when we talk about persuasion, um, as, as a way in which people influence, or as, con I'm not even sure how to think about it myself, whether it's connected to influence, yeah. or it's hard for me to separate those. Yeah. Yeah. But I do know that um, there's a difference between manipulating and, and, and or trying to trick someone, because right. you never get a second chance if you do right. that, um, and mm. trying to persuade or influence somebody, which people, they often confuse those things, right. but, but if I am successful in persuading you, you shouldn't come away from that interaction feeling duped or tripped. You should feel like the truth has yeah. been revealed, right? Yeah, actually a pretty, a, a pretty wise person yeah. one time gave me a little key to that. Yeah. And he said to me, whose needs are being met in the interaction? Is in a manipulative interaction, the person who is manipulating, manipulating is only interested in getting their own needs met. Right. And in twisting you right. to, for, for you to meet their needs. Right. Whereas I think in sort of positive persuasion or the better, the better uses of influence, what we're trying to do is figure out a way to get both parties' needs met. And, and, and being sincere in that. I want to get my needs met, but I also want to make sure that your needs get met if you know to the extent that we can work that out and and not in a kind of compromising way which is you get kind of half of your needs met and I get kind of half of my neither of us feel very satisfied out of it which that whole that whole thing about how how do we handle conflict and where the role of compromise in that I think is maybe fodder for a future podcast but but um, but for me that's the key it tips over into manipulation when there's a uh, a selfishness in it as mm -hmm. you know a, a sense of I don't really care what happens with you I just need to get I just want to get what I want to get mm -hmm. and that's where it starts feeling like manipulation to me mm -hmm. up until then if we're just trying to explore you know, I, I'm being clear about what my needs are. I know you have needs in the mm -hmm. situation. How can we 
find a, find a solution that, that helps to fulfill both of us, I think that's a really positive way of interacting and of, of building a relationship. And I know that it leaves, it leaves a good trail of crumbs after it, you know, that, yeah. that, that others yeah. can follow. Yeah. I, as you were talking, I was thinking, well, if I try to influence you to um, watch a TV show, because I think it's fabulous, right. um, what, what of my needs are being met? Um, I'm just doing that out of the goodness of my heart, right? right. But I realized as you were talking right. that if you follow that through, the need that's being met is that ultimately that builds the relationship because then I can say to you, did you see that episode? Wasn't that fantastic? Right. And and we, we have, have a some, basis. We, right, we yeah. have something in common. that. So yeah. if you translate that to an organizational level, you know, the organizational bonding is, or what's what's good for your part of the organization ultimately then comes back to affect what's good for my part of the organization. I mean, it... Right, and that, um, I think, comes back also to an earlier thing that we were talking about, which is this idea that when organizations shift to, I, I will use the shorthand term, more agile way of working. Although more, I don't, I don't more think... Flexible, more flexible, more nimble. More, yes, right. way okay. of working. More team-based way right. of working that it really does benefit if if that middle management layer can begin to see how to work in teams laterally across the organization as opposed to their focus being within their own functional area or within their own silo the more they can begin to build those relationships right. out use their positive influence with each other to say how do we optimize across the organization right. to make sure that the whole is working together? It really helps to um, avoid that kind of uh, local problem solving that creates problems elsewhere in the organization. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, brings back, I think, to that to the really strong need of of helping managers shift to that way of thinking that is much more cross functional. And um, much more for the good of the whole, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to focusing on the parts. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So, you know, in, in, in more traditional ways of thinking about an organization, it, people thought, well, if you give someone positional power, positional right. authority, um, that's kind of all you need to do. Uh, clearly, we've established that that's yeah. not the way it's. But I, but I wonder if if there are situations when that's still an okay thing, whether when people simply can and should rely on positional authority. I think that. What I think about that is that that is useful in times when we need in, in times of crisis. You know, if 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 something really bad happens and we need a quick decision and we need to take action to mitigate whatever's going on because mm -hmm. it's it's going to burn the house down. It's right. going to destroy our organization. It's going to 
um, obliterate our market share or whatever. We need somebody who can say, ah, you know, can't do it this way. Now, from that point, it helps if, if the group can self-organize around that and move forward. But at some point, you know, the analogy I used to use is if I'm in a car accident and I'm, you know, laying in the street bleeding and there are paramedics there <laughs> uh, and bystanders, I don't want the paramedics and the bystanders debating how to take care of me. Right. Right. I want the people who know what they're doing to step in and say, this is what needs to happen next. Mm -hmm. Now, after that, the rest of the group can support that in whatever mm -hmm. way they need to organize themselves to do that. So I don't think that that continues for a really long time. Mm -hmm. But I do think that there are particular moments when that's critical. And part of the job of creating a flexible, nimble, resilient, agile organization is to create an organization where there are as few crises like that as possible. Right. <laughs> right. So we don't need those heroes very often. Right. But, when, but the instances when we do need them do arise. Sure. And, and in that sense, I think titles and those kinds of things can be useful because it's, a, it's an easy shorthand to say, who should we be listening to here? Mm -hmm. If there is a cacophony of voices, mm -hmm. which ones should we should we pull out and listen to mm -hmm. yeah and sometimes in really chaotic situations um one of the things we know is that we just need to take some action any action and then see what happens so that we can begin to discern the patterns that tell us how to move forward so it doesn't even matter if what that person says is the right thing as long as we pay attention to what happens once we do whatever they told us to do and does that seem to be getting us the result we want? And if not, let's take up. Let's try something else. Let's try something else. So, so I do think there is a time for mm -hmm. those things. I think it's much less frequent than we assume it might be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and of course, there's some people who really thrive um, in those environments where, where, in essence, they bounce from crisis to crisis. And I always wonder what it is in the person or the organization that that drives that, because that's a pattern. Right. That's a pattern, and um, it would be a pattern. I, if if I found myself in a place like that, it'd be a pattern I would want to change, because I don't much like that. Right. But I, when I see someone who is not really trying to change that, or an organization that's not trying to change that I have to wonder what what purpose that's serving and you know and I think right. that that is um that kind of adrenaline rush right for people it, you know yeah. is, that that's a that's a choice that they've you know that they've made at some point right well and even you know even really good firefighters Right, work more on preventing fires right, of than, course. than on building them so they can be put out. Right. And what I have seen in organizations sometimes when there are people who thrive on being the hero, mm -hmm. thrive on riding to the rescue, thrive on being the first person on the scene to put the fire out, um, those are often the folks who in some subtle ways are also creating the conditions for the fires to start. Right. Not always, but it's, it's worth looking into, I've discovered.
So maybe in terms of, of, of a way to kind of wrap up what we've been talking about, uh, what we're saying is that power is not a negative. In fact, it's a necessary kind of thing for people to have in organizations to get anything done. And particularly necessary for leaders. Absolutely yeah. Yeah. necessary for leaders. Yeah. Um, that power um, is, is, comes from a number of factors, but, but primarily um, it derives from one's ability to influence and persuade others. Mm -hmm. uh, that there are specific techniques that can be learned about how to um, project influence um, and how to get better at the art of persuasion and that, that that's not to be manipulative or to trick people, it's to try to win over hearts and minds, if you will, to get people to, um, to move in directions that are good for them and good for the organization. Anything else? Yeah, no, I think that's it. I think, and, and, you know, we came to this because we were talking about politics and the link between influence and politics. And, and I think this is another illustration about organizational politics as just the way things get done and that we all have an influence role in that. We, we can't, we are helpless to participate in the politics. What we want to do is to make sure that that's, uh, transparent and visible and not, you know, back rooms, cigar smoking kind of politics, but the kind where we're all out trying to get things done. Right. So how are you using your influence? How self-aware are you about the sources of influence you bring to your organization and to your relationships? Where have you seen that working for yourself, for your organization? Where have you needed to reach out and tap into somebody else's um, style of influencing to really get things done that benefit the poll. We'd love to get your answer to Diana's question. Please leave a comment on the blog or email us at leadershippodcast at gmail.com. This has been episode six of Partnerships and Possibilities. Thanks for listening.